Hi, this is Rabbi Eric Levy. I am pleased to bring to you the second Aliyah of the Shnayim Mikra Echad Targum project for the Sidra of Shoftim. And now in verse 14, we move on to the sticky issue of how to set up a king, a ruler, how to make sure that a monarchy works out to the benefit of Israel and Israel's national and religious mission. Again, the laws of the Mishnah Torah are, in my opinion, focused on the successful establishment and maintenance of the nation of Israel and the land of Israel. A huge amount of commentary has been written on this section, which lays out the rules of the kings. And at the risk of oversimplifying, the commentary's opinion breaks down into two camps. Those who see setting up the king as a requirement, an a priori desirable and positive thing, and those that feel that the monarchy is an inherently negative thing, and that it was just in response to trying to, uh, that is the people going to set upside their king, uh, in any event, so let's set up some laws to make sure that this inherently bad system is checked and controlled. Now, the latter opinion uh, would sort of draw a parallel between this law and the law like an Isha That is, nobody wants to be, be in a situation of the Isha where the soldier goes to war. But the bottom line is we know that soldiers go to war, and unfortunately, but inevitably, they're going to take female captives of booty. And the Torah tries to make the best uh, bad situation. So therefore, the key is a bad situation. When this bad situation happens, do these laws, not because I'd love these laws to be done, but because it's the best thing you could do in a bad situation. And, and the negative approach, so, so there are those who see this monarchy in the same way. When the people will, you're going to have to do it this way so that, you know, to save, uh, you know, to get some silver lining out of a bad situation. And, and the, the commentators that take this approach generally base themselves on two things. The first is the negative reaction that Shmuel has when the people ask him to set up the king, the prophet Shmuel, the prophet and the judge Shmuel. And the second is the terminology here, both in Shmuel and here, that, 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 quote the people to say, we want a king like all the other nations, to be like all the other nations. However, as I mentioned above, the word key, that is the when section, is merely the situation the nation will likely find itself in. There are plenty of key sections where the law starts afterwards, after this bad situation, but it's a completely positive commandment. So too, setting up this king may be completely positive commandment in all senses of the system. That is, monarchy is a good thing, it's something God wants to set up. But God is just making sure that the situation that we're likely to find ourselves in is the dangerous part of kingship, the idea of, of, of power and totalitarianism, of being like all the other nations. So God's saying, listen, I want a monarchy, but you have to know the way a monarchy will likely start is with a negative thing. You've got to make sure to set up a monarchy in the following ways because that's the only way that it should be and that's the way I actually want it to be. Uh, therefore, to counter these negative motivations, God explains this is the way a king should be set up. Make sure to set up a king that the Lord your God will select. Notes the similarity with the words uh, uh, used regarding this king, that God will select being the same as his selecting of the high priest, to a certain extent, and the selecting of Jerusalem itself, that's a very positive thing. And I think the sense here is that a monarchy can be unholy, 
or it could be a very holy effort. And it is important to establish the latter, even though the masses may be desiring the former. So, set up a king that God will select, which either means by the prophet, uh, by the word of a prophet, or a coin using the Urim, or perhaps the Ramban mentions that it may just be somebody who's acceptable to God, which is the way Rambam understands the law, that is generally a king would pass his kingship to his oldest son, unless his oldest son was a bum. And if he was a bum, if he was irreligious, then you'd pick another son, such as what happened with Shlomo. Uh, anyway, continuing with the verse, from among your brothers set up a king, you may not set up uh, over you a foreigner who is not your brother. Now, oral law notices the redundancies of these commandments and further restricts the kings to only males and not to converts and all kinds of other issues on oral law. But again, I'll, I'll stay close to the actual uh, text. Rach lo yarbelo susim velo yashivet ha'am mitzrayim aleman harbot sus v'adunai amar lachem lo tosifun However, he may not amass horses for himself, lest he cause the nation to return to Egypt in order to amass horses in opposition to what the Lord God has told you to do, which is never to return again on this road. Uh, the Ebenezer points out that there is no specific command. He cites some other possibilities. But essentially, what I think it means is God doesn't want you, told you not to get caught up in, in Egypt's sphere of influence. Um that is, you know, I'll, I'll return to that in a second. I want to point out that the word low here, he should not make for himself, he should not gather for himself horses and chariots, means for his own sense of wealth and power, his own aggrandizement, his own uh, 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 sense of being a superpower, as opposed to if the nation needs, in a time of war, a lot of horses, that you could do. Um, amassing power for the sake of power is the road that leads one to Egypt, not only literally, since Egypt was a major hub for the horse trade, but in a political sense, because no matter how powerful you were going to get, Egypt was, at that time, the superpower of the region. And don't forget that it kept a psychological hold over Israel, because they had been slaves there for so long. At the time, Mesopotamia, Assyria, really did not have political reach into the Levant, which is Israel, Lebanon, Syria, that part of the Mediterranean coast. So making economic and political treaties of that size and of, of military issues as well, because that's really what horses and chariots are for, would pull Israel inevitably back into Egypt's orbit. And they would wind up either becoming a vassal or worse, even just a district of greater Egypt. God needed them to maintain independence because the whole mission of the people of Israel was distinct. It was the reason why he put them in the land of Israel to nation build was to be a distinct nation morally and religiously, and if they would get caught back up in, into their superpower Egypt, they would lose that uniqueness, and then really it would be all for nothing. And he should not amass wives for himself, lest they cause his heart, or perhaps his intentions, to go astray, and he should not amass much too much gold and silver. There are two items to note here. One is that it seems clear from the text that God understands uh, and Moshe telling the people that the that the king will be making political marriages. I mean, if it was just a matter of not marrying too many Jewish girls from Jerusalem, that, that would not take somebody away. Lo yasur lavavo, that would not make somebody abandon religion. Um, so God is saying, listen, political marriages are, are inevitable. Your king is going to have to marry some pretty sketchy women, uh, religiously sketchy, of course, because he's got to make treaties. That happens. But by restricting the quantity, God is making sure that the king doesn't uh, become overwhelmed quantitatively, if not qualitatively. Uh, the exact quantity of how many wives is, is, is unstated here. The rabbis learn out loosely from David's life uh, the number 18 as the maximum. 
but it doesn't state it explicitly. The second item here to note is that it doesn't say don't amass gold, but don't amass ma'od. Uh, uh, meaning you could be rich, but you can't be filthy rich. Again, there's no objective limit stated. So perhaps in both cases, the king was meant to ask the prophet, hey, am I on the right track? Am I, am I doing this for the right reasons? Or, or am I starting to get lost in a culture of corruption and self-aggrandizement and, 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 and feeling power? and feeling a sense of, of personal power. And now we come to the positive commandments rather than the restrictions, which are meant uh, rather than restrict a king, but to direct him and make sure that he serves as a holy leader, which is the whole point. And when he gets settled on his throne, he must, in front of the Kohanim, from the tribes of Levi, which means under their tutelage, he must write for himself the Mishnah Torah on a scroll. The plain sense of uh, Mishnah Torah Hazot, this Mishnah Torah is the one we're reading now, that is the bulk of Sefer Dvarim, which makes up Moshe's exhortations on why and how to serve God and all the rules of serving God, specifically that are focused, as I said, on nation building, which is the job uh, and, and maintaining the holiness of a nation, which is, of course, the job of a king, if the king here is a positive thing, which I believe it is. Um, that is, it could be that he didn't have to rewrite Sefer Vayikra because honestly he doesn't need to know, to know how to how to make sacrifices. Alternatively, and this is the rabbinic tradition, the king was required to make a copy of the entire Torah. Either way, the goal of his writing of the Torah is stated clearly. And it must be with him and he must read it all the days of his life in order that he learn to fear the Lord is God and to keep all the words of instruction and these laws in order to perform them. To keep him from putting himself above his brothers, to keep him from abandoning the commandments either to the left or to the right, in order that he should extend the years of his reign over his kingdom and he and his children, meaning if he teaches himself and his children to love and appreciate the Torah, the children will come out okay as well. Uh, among or among Israel, which means as their leader and not as some totalitarian uh, authority which stands above and separate from the, na- from the nation.